Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with contributor Andrew Corrali and co-host David Figler. We're going to talk about Nevada Democrats behaving badly and Governor Lombardo's administration abandoning their office buildings to be near the airport. It's Friday, May 5th. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Good morning, David. Good morning, Andrew. How are y'all doing? Great. Morning, everybody. Awesome. So, I mean, it's a hot mess of Democratic shenanigans in the streets this week. So uh, we would be remiss not to speak on it. Let's start with Justin Jones, who is out here deleting text Ooh. messages. Bless his heart. Allegedly, uh-huh. I think, or actually it's been proven. I don't know. Is it oh, proven? No, 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 no. no alleged. Well, yeah. Here's the wild thing about this whole uh, Justin Jones, what are we going to call it? Textgate? No, don't title it. Uh, all my... All my texts live in X's X's. in deleted folders. (laughs) Right. Leave it to Justin Jones somehow to make the developer who wants to put thousands of houses on our pristine, beautiful Red Rock Mm -hmm. area. The good Mm -hmm. guy. (laughs) It's like that's the crazy part of this whole thing. So let me let me try to backtrack without doing all 20 years of litigation here. So there's this big developer in Las Vegas. A lot of people know Jim Rhodes, Rhodes Ranch, a lot of developments he's done over the years. Anyway, he bought this area kind of gypsum mine adjacent where he wanted to put a ton of houses, which... I think a lot of people at the time and still today think is a horrible idea for that part of our, you know, it's private land, though he could do what he wants. Anyway, fast forward uh, to a point where a group called Save Red Rock (laughs) was formed, understandably, and their pro bono lawyer was a fellow named Justin Mm. Jones. And there was all this litigation against the gypsum company run by Jim Rhodes to the point where it was getting really, really heated. The county kept going back and forth on whether they were going to allow certain things or had agreements with him. That is kind of beside the point because Justin Jones decided to run for county commission. Probably the number one thing, because this is in his district, that he ran on was, I'm going to stop this development from happening if you In my first 100 days. (laughs) Right away. And to the point where he put on a superhero outfit in his backyard and took campaign photos showing him vanquishing the evil Jim the developer. (laughs) Like it was bonkers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Great photo. Go Google that photo, everybody. That's an image search you definitely want. So um, while this is happening, Steve Sisolak, who is the county commissioner chair, Mm -hmm. was also running for Mm -hmm. governor. And what happened was there was discussions trying to get Sisolak to kind of change a position or take a position that was unfavorable to the developer, all which is fine. You can lobby and do all this other stuff. There were votes that were going to be taken. The bottom line is that Justin Jones had done a lot of text messaging when he was still a candidate, not on the county commission, trying to get this commitment from Steve Sislak. And he was sending text messages to Sisolak's campaign 
Right. Chair. And that, that was, conversation you know, was really around if you would like to be the governor and you want Save Red Rock support and you want environmentalist support, you better yes. make something happen so that this doesn't go through. Low key, you know. And when they didn't hear from him, he's all like, well, if he doesn't vote the right way, basically, this is all going to blow up on Steve Sisolak. And then Steve Sisolak comes down and he says, look, we got some new commissioners who are coming in. We don't know who they're going to be, but this is better for them. So he deferred the vote. Justin Jones gets elected. Justin Jones comes in. Justin Jones does not recuse himself from the voting. The county changes its position on whether or not to allow Rhodes some of the things that he thought he was going to get. Lawsuits are still going, 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 going. And on April 19th, after the vote, which basically said no, no to Jim Rhodes, Justin Jones deletes all the messages on his phone for always going back from April 2019 to history. They're all gone. So now Jim Rhodes and his lawyers go into the federal court and ask for sanctions against both Justin Jones and the county. Now, they had found some of these text messages from the other end through the whole process of litigation and discovery and depositions and things like that. Justin Jones was also deposed, and he gave very lawyer answers mm-hmm. to, uh, did you delete all those text messages because they were bad for you? <laughs> you know, or is like, I, you know, I don't even know if I deleted the text messages, mm-hmm. basically. He was talking all around it. And Justin Jones, we should point out, is a lawyer. Lawyer's going to lawyer. Yeah. So anyway, he never said anything that the judge ultimately said was a direct lie. He, she just said he was not being truthful or he was making select word statements to avoid the mm. truth, that sort of thing. Clean lies of omissions. <laughs> so what does this all mean? <laughs> yeah, what does it mean? So the the messages that he deleted before he got elected are interesting, but they weren't really the crux. What was really more interesting, it seemed to the judge, was from the period when he became a county commissioner to the date that he deleted, he was an elected official, and there are rules about destroying text messages during that time. And she said, look, I could only assume, because we don't have these, that it would have been unfavorable to you, Justin Jones, and favorable to the gypsum company, so I'm going to sanction you. But it was kind of a slappy on the wrist. I mean, for a public official to be sanctioned for essentially lying to the court and doing something they shouldn't do, which is like deleting text messages, that's bad. But it leaves a lot of questions about what was deleted. And really, is this just the the sausage of backdoor dealings that happens all the time at every government level being just splatted on the sidewalk and what's to happen next to Justin Jones because it really isn't impacting the litigation. It's just sort of a sideshow where Justin Jones is getting pilloried. Mm. And that's the thing is like the county commission, they get to vote on what what buildings get built, but I don't feel like they get to change much of the zoning. So it seems like he did some, you know, very athletic back channel (laughs) horse trading, you know, with Sisolak to... You know, and who knows, maybe others. Yeah, and, and save Red Rock. And so I don't know whether all the text messages have been made public, but is this a case where the cover-up isn't just worse than the crime, but you know, there was only the cover-up and there wasn't necessarily a crime per se? Well, because we don't have all those text messages, we don't know if there was a cover-up or if he was just being extra super cautious or if he felt 
wow, I could just get rid of everything when I wasn't a county commissioner. So there's a whole other aspect to this where the judge is like, you're a lawyer, you should know better. There's pending litigation. You yourself have asked for people to preserve text messages. You know county commissioners' text messages are part of the Mm -hmm. public record based on some cases. So you really don't have a leg to stand on is what the judge is saying. You did some naughty, naughty stuff. My thing is, like, this puts at risk all the work that he did, right, with Save Red Rock. So if you're operating in shady ways and then you're deleting the messages, which also looks even more shady, doesn't that put all the work that you've done at risk? And so my question is, like, does this mean they're going to have to vote again on the the Rhodes Red Rock development? Oh, I think that's what Rhodes wants to happen. I don't know that that is going to happen. That doesn't seem doesn't seem like the litigation is otherwise going really great for him. But you're not wrong, folk. I mean, that's that's the issue. I think a lot of people wonder why he, even though he ran on it as his campaign, he was so immersed in it, shouldn't he have recused himself from that particular vote? Yeah, and that's the part that bums me is that the the sort of splash damage kind of diminishes the the seriousness and the the credibility of, you know, save Red Rock. That's an unfortunate thing because I think most people feel pretty strongly about preserving Red Rock against, you know, the encroachment of private development. So is it preserving Red Rock versus preserving text messages? That's the fight we're looking for. <laughs> there at. it is. Uh, at this point, it's about are we preserving Justin Jones? Because literally at the public mm. comment meetings that they had for the commissioners, it was like multiple oh, people no. stepping up to the podium to just say their piece. It was like, you can join a whole list of a bunch of other uh, corrupt Democrats and resign. Uh, Europe cancer is sore, somebody called him. Like, it was um, steamy. It was grilly. I want to point this out, Mm -hmm. though, very clearly. If you look at the roster of the 10 people who came to that county commission meeting who were so, like, inspired to Mm. just scream at Justin Jones, most of them are political operatives from the Republican Party. I don't think a lot of ordinary citizens woke up in the morning and go, hey, this guy's deleting text messages. I'm going to go down there and call him a cancerous sore. Yeah. And there were a few uh, perennial gadfly candidates uh, in the mix, too. I I noticed a few uh, notable names. Yes, they have their regulars. But I mean, you know, it's still about his integrity, you know. So, I mean, Mm. Andrew, what do you think? Do you think that he needs to resign? I feel like resigning would, you know, is sort of an outsized, you know, punishment for this, particularly since, you know, there hasn't been a determination of, you know, whether or not there was actually a crime committed. So I feel like in some ways, you know, this this sort of, you know, public comment roast is, you know, part of like the disproportionate sort of outrage machine that is just, you know, kind of churning every day now in the public discourse. Mm. David, what do you think? I mean, I agree with that. I think that there needs to be more of a mea culpa, at least for the process, for Justin Jones. I don't foresee it coming. I like to think of Justin Jones as a good guy. He wanted to do some good things for our community. He has definitely been involved in a lot of very important projects for our community. He just won a squeaker of an election, and Mm -hmm. um, part of that was this whole thing. So... uh, I I don't think he should resign. I do think that it would be nice in a perfect world if he were to take a little bit more personal responsibility for his role in all this. Mm -hmm. And I also think that his political future is now a little less clear than it might have been in the future. I don't know if he had aspirations for a higher office or not, but this is going to follow him around probably forever. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. (laughs) And, you know, for me, I don't know, I was thinking about the show Hacks and how one of the characters, she drunk texts 
uh, somebody. She done drunk texts an ex. And I'm just like, you know what? I feel like there have been multiple scenarios where we have politicians and text messages and problems. And I just feel like they just shouldn't be allowed to have, be able to manage business <laughs> on their phone. They should just have old ass phones that don't even text. Um, and, don't legislate by text. Like, don't do that. Y'all. Don't have those conversations by text message. Pick up the phone and make the phone call. But, you know, it, I think there's something to be said about transparency. And I think that's really a requirement for the role. If we want people to operate, you know, in an idealistic, be an idealistic politician, whatever that means, but it sucks. But I think, yeah, even though sometimes when you resign, sometimes the resignation is the admission of guilt. And I think uh, Justin Jones ain't finna do that. I think maybe that might be the right way to go. We'll see what he does though. He's already lawyered up. That's Vogue. It's a public comment right there. (laughs) Uh, We'll see what happens. So let's let's go on. Uh, It's it's like our politicians are out here and they have real feelings. Goodness. Who knew that was going to happen? So I'm I'm actually grateful for that component. So one of our state lawmakers, Danielle Monroe Moreno, really dismissed school choice, but she made a statement that was taken and blown to a larger proportion. So, Andrew, can you give us the details on that? I certainly can. So, uh, yeah, Assemblywoman Danielle Monroe Moreno, she's a District 1 Assemblywoman and chair of the State Democratic Party. Um, There was a recent legislative committee meeting hearing on a GOP bill about school choice. And she was speaking on this bill and kind of got a bit extemporaneous and made this statement where she said, she wished she could legislate what parents do. And I kind of need to quickly sort of like fill in the jigsaw puzzle of context to <laughs> contextualize this because what happened next will blow your mind. <laughs> so she was basically talking about, um, you know, her experience being educated and educating her family in the in the school district. And she was basically saying, I wish, you know, that, that parental involvement, parental involvement is a vital key to quality public education. And she wished she could legislate that more parents are more deeply involved in their schools. However, um, lo and behold, the conservative press, particularly in this case, the, the Free Beacon, a conservative news website out of Washington, D.C., you know, kind of took this video and, and kind of blew up that comment and sort of took it out of context to kind of paint Monroe Moreno as this out of touch lawmaker with this sort of uh, ivory tower contempt for for school choice. Hates parents, doesn't want parents to be able to do anything. She wants to legislate their thoughts. Isn't that a total woke, left-wing radical who's going to destroy our world sort of angle? Exactly. If I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so not only is she anti-school choice, right? She's anti-parent, you know, even though she herself, you know, is is a parent. And so this was just kind of interesting to me because it's sort of a, a, a you know a non-story that is also kind of a meta story. So it's it's kind of a layer cake. And to me, the issue is this whole conversation about school choice, which to me is a very loaded term and you know subject to much you know sort of confusion. And to me, that the, the school choice issue is just kind of a cover for a, a lot of right-wing efforts to introduce taxpayer-funded private religious instruction into, you know, American education. And, uh, and, you know, I understand, you know, the eroding faith in in public education, but 
it's not because public education itself is sort of like inherently flawed. It has to do with funding. It has to do with resources. It has to do with salaries. So I guess it kind of burns me a little bit whenever these these conversations happen where they are taking advantage of the eroding faith in public education, mm. but at the same time, kind of fostering it with these these empty promises that privately funded religious education and, and school choice will solve the public education problem. Yeesh. I want to push back a little bit on what Andrew said, because school choice is a very complicated issue. Religious schools, I, I'm, I'm all with you on that one, Andrew. And I don't think that charter schools are in any way a, a panacea of solving the problems of some of the lower performance in some of the Clark County School District schools. However, there are some good other and alternative options that if if parents could do that and if it was the right fit, it makes sense. Sometimes taxpayer money arguably could go for those type of things. But it's this big, big, big conversation. I, I don't disagree, though, that a lot of code for school choice is like this kind of religious instruction or perhaps instruction that doesn't include the full history of the United States mm -hmm. and all the other things that are part of this giant culture conversation. I mean, do you do y'all think that this was blown out of proportion also because she just stepped into the position as the Nevada Democrats chair? Oh, probably. But this is now an all too familiar pattern with the new GOP in Nevada as they're trying to build a machine is attack, 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 blow up, utilize this right-wing media so it distances itself from Lombardo, but then all his operatives are retweeting these quote-unquote news stories. I mean, I think it's very instructive that no mainstream media has really picked up on this interpretation of DMM's comments. However, it's not going away. They're pounding it on social media. Look at these articles. DMM hates school choice, but more than that, doesn't trust parents to do the right thing for their own kids, doesn't trust parents and wants to legislate their behavior. And that's outrageous. She needs to go. So it's like whenever you have an opening, attack the Dems as best you can. And she's a high value target because she is now the chair, as you said, Vogue, of the Democratic Party in, in Nevada. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that, David, because it, it it actually is in some ways worse than taking her comments out of context. It's actively sort of taffy twisting them into you know active misinformation that's just being sort of streamed to the to to a waiting hungry public. Right, and when I think about it, and I'm reading kind of some of the statements that were made. Uh, like better Nevada spokesman John Burke told told the Washington Free Beacon that Nevada Democrats aren't even trying to hide their disdain for parents across Nevada. Uh, and they mm -hmm. refer to Monroe Moreno's comments as offensive and out of touch and an attack on parents. And I, and I feel like she told this really personal story about her own growing up and going to Nevada public school, sending her kids to CCSD schools as well, and for a moment being in private schools, and that it wasn't a good fit for her. And so on one hand, I think her comments were really idealistic. I think there needs to be some sort of overhaul with CCSD, but I see why people are saying that she feels so out of touch because she's just like, well, we have a lot of great educators. And it's like, yeah, but the system that they have to operate in is trash. And based on the data for years, so before she even had the position, we were very low on the list of of schools that are performing. So come on, <laughs> get, get a little honest in there. Like, yes, 
she turned out okay. But what? how much that has to do with the fact that her mom was so involved. And that's where the parent comment comes in, you know? If only there was a law to make parents Shut good parents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I can't stop it. I can't wait to see that that taken out of context and thrown all over Twitter. David does definitely not care. (laughs) Let's shift gears as we talk about these buildings. Let's talk about the Lombardo administration. So Governor Lombardo is abandoning the Grant Sawyer State Office building, which opened in like 1995. So it's a 28-year-old building. You know, it's out here living its life, about to hit that 30. The building is located near downtown. And what they want to do is leave it (laughs) and buy some property over at like Warm Springs in Bermuda near the airport. And they want to buy it in phases. So they'll get a total of 20 buildings by 2025. Like the why around this is comparatively like it'll cost them 263 million and they'll get 835,000 square feet of space at this new building with all the new little cute little, you know, offices. The old building, the Grant Sawyer building, is reportedly gross. <laughs> it has leaking sewage, <laughs> unregulated office temperatures and dilapidated infrastructure to provide you with like the direct quote. And supposedly, you know, it's going to save the state money. So instead of like rebuilding the old building, that's a lot of buildings. <laughs> Instead of like uh-huh. revamping the old building, they just want to go ahead and say, you know, leave leave the old and head over to the semi-new. I, I was like kind of questioning the numbers a little bit because it was just so funny to me that the the price tag for rehabbing Grant Sawyer just happened to be $470 million for 470,000 square right. feet. Right. So it had a little a bit, uh, you know, a je ne sais pulled out of the air kind of thing. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure how to make of that. So what do y'all think the governor should do with this building with its leaking sewage, unregulated office temperatures and crappy infrastructure? Well, I'll say if it's anything like some of the other buildings in that area that have been abandoned, uh, its future does not look Mm -hmm. bright. If you look at the Reed Whipple Cultural Center, which was an amazing building when I was a young person, that's been leveled. That's gone. I can't imagine repurposing that building Mm -hmm. sometimes if it's not being refurbished because I don't know anyone who'd want to buy it. And also other government buildings that have been abandoned just kind of stick around as eyesores forever. I think of the Bible building that's over on Vegas Boulevard. Just nothing's happening with it. It's just it's just a testament to something that went horribly wrong at some mm-hmm. point in the past. But on, on the other hand, there's been this long tradition of government buildings being sort of clustered in the downtown generally speaking, Las Vegas area. The county commission building, the the, the county government center, mm-hmm. is in downtown Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And Grant Sawyer is the place where a lot of people go to give testimony or engage with government services from the state level. Mm-hmm. It is part of a very familiar way to go. To move it up to, you know, Warm Springs, up by the airport, et cetera, that definitely is going to impact people's patterns of engagement with their government. I do appreciate David's point about, you know, is it moving, you know, vital services farther, you know, further away from the populations that, you know, that use them and that need them? And I guess that would be my concern. Um, you know, it, it seems like there's a, 
an efficiency argument, you know, going on on its face, which sounds reasonable, but I think there's some underlying issues to it that David pointed out. For y'all as locals, would you want to work near the airport or in the downtown area? Some of the argument was if it's near the airport, then it'll make it easier for those who work within the state, the city and the county, you know, so that was like part of the argument as well. Well, they have to wait three hours for an Uber to get over there. So that doesn't always add up. Well, some of the interesting elements of it, too, was that the legislature is looking at possibly using some of those buildings as well. So the legislature once has its eyes on three of the buildings, but the, not enough senators voted yes to, to get it. But I don't know what that that build. There's gold in them hills. Like, I don't know what's going on in those buildings, but apparently they're really interested. Andrew, where would you rather work near the airport or downtown? Oh, I would naturally work downtown. It's so much more, you know, colorful and engaging and convenient. That's an easy for me. And uh, plus, Mm -hmm. you know, driving on all the uh, megastructure swoops or in the airport area nowadays, low key terrifies me. So it's May, which I love because it's not too hot and not too cold so far. So Andrew, can you fill us in with a few things that are going on this weekend that are worthwhile? Give us some outdoor events. Yeah, actually, this weekend, there are some really cool um, festivals popping off downtown and elsewhere. One I've got my eye on is the uh, two-day Hollow Hollow Music Festival, which is happening at the uh, downtown Las Vegas Event Center. And they're going to be kind of just, you know, taking over the area with this uh, outdoor reggae and island music festival. So that sounds kind of cool. And then another one on my, uh, at the other sort of end of the speedometer for a dose of like small town quaintitude, the Spring Jamboree is happening this weekend in Uber Quaint Boulder City. And so this is going to have activities for the kids where they get flung violently through the air and they squeal. They're going to have people selling art, vendors, you know, food, bands, all that kind of jazz. And then uh, another one coming up in a couple weeks is the uh, Henderson Art Festival, which is going to have a Mother's Day theme. It's uh, 13th and 14th at Water Street Plaza. Yeah, so they're going to have a lot of like fashion, decor, spa items, things like that. And um, yeah, Henderson's actually been popping with some really cool events. So uh, that's definitely on my radar. Cool. Henderson for all your mothers. (laughs) All the things to do. That's a freebie, Henderson. You could have that one. Awesome. Well, David and Andrew, thank you so much for joining me this morning on the Friday News Thank you. Always fun, Vogue. Take care. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad, with help from A.K. Almuman. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and myself, Vogue Robinson. Music is by O.G. Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwubi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. I I feel like I should retract that whole thing. It rambled. You've rambled worse. That's not helpful. No, I'm. You know I'm serious. <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> serious. 